have some exciting things planned up in the next couple of weeks. Um, I am used to, at this time of the year, shoveling snow, so it's uh, hard to know that it's Thanksgiving next weekend, or next week, and, uh, but we're talking about um, Christmas. We're going to have one service on Christmas Day, which is on a Sunday this year at 10 a.m. The next Sunday is New Year's Day, and so we're also going to be planning on having one service on New Year's Day and then having some uh, sort of a meal after that, and then one of the things I'd like to do, and we're planning on this. We, it will depend on the weather a little bit. But what we'd like to do is, after the meal, have everyone go out into the field that's sort of over here. I'm not sure if we call it a field, a parking lot, or just dirt. Um, and what I'd like us to do is spell out, have it, the whole congregation together and spell out hope. And get a drone and fly over and take a picture of us. So I'm needing someone with a drone who actually knows how to fly a drone and have a really good camera with it. Um, and then some food. So that's what we're trying to do. That's hopefully, if everything works, we'll do that on New Year's Day and start the new year off um, together. I was just down in Mexico with the one mission. Anthony and Alicia and I um, came back last night. We were able to do three days' work in two days, so we left the rest of the group there to finish up. <laughs> okay, that, you guys, you, it's the 11, it's a 10.45 service. This is not the early service. I'm not sure. A number of years ago, Mary and I, before we ever knew we were going to be coming out to Arizona to um, be part of Hope Covenant Church, we came out and visited Tucson. And when we were, at, uh, we were staying down there and we asked people, what, what should you go and do? And they talked about going to the Suero National you know, um, Park. You know, it was great. But they also told us to go down and see the Titan Missile Museum. How many of you have seen the Titan Missile Museum? You guys live here. What is wrong with you? If you go to the Titan Missile Museum, it's a little south of Tucson, and you're driving down the road, and other than a sign and a little building, you would not know that there is anything there. This is what you see from the air. You don't see that from the ground. And what that is is the silo for the Titan Missile. Um, the little black... Uh, piece there is glass, and so this can be verified from the Soviets that this has been a decommissioned missile. The um, covering, I'll go back for a second, the covering um, there, on the, behind it there's two railroad tracks and they would just slide the opening and it would open up this, which is the Titan missile. Go to the next slide. That's a Titan missile. And that is a um, W-53 warhead sitting on top of a Titan missile which is 600 times more powerful than the bomb that was dropped on Hiroshima. There are 63 of these silos in the United States, most of them in Arizona, of which you have probably driven by them and didn't know they were there. They're all decommissioned now, and you can go on tour. Everything is underneath the, the ground here, and so when you go on the tour, um, they say what it would have been like to be an operator at the missile base here. So you go down into the little booth, and you've seen it on TV, where you have the two keys, and you have someone sits there, and they actually go through a simulation, and we would say, well, if you ever launch, what would you do after? <laughs> and they said, there is no plans for what you do after. Because, go to the next slide, the threat, our, our guide who was taking us through said, the threat of mutual annihilation brought peace in our world. 
The threat of mutual annihilation kept the Soviet Union and the United States from war. But did it really bring peace? And that is a tough question. What is peace? And often people who are peacemakers will be persecuted. And our text for today links these two concepts together. We're concluding our sermon series on the Beatitudes. The Beatitudes are the first part of what is called the Sermon on the Mount. This is the first sermon that Jesus gave as he was beginning his ministry. It's recorded for us in Matthew chapter 5 verse, um, through chapter 7. But we're focusing on the first 12 verses which are called the Beatitudes. And today we're looking at the last two Beatitudes which are blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God and blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Our world desperately needs peace. But in seeking to be peacemakers, we are going to be persecuted for righteousness. Well, to understand what Jesus is calling us to, I want us to consider a couple things this morning. The first is to understand what peace is. The second is to understand how to be a peacemaker. And then the third is why we are blessed when we are persecuted. So let's pray together. Heavenly Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable in your sight. Amen. So our text for this morning is from Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 1. It says, Now when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on the mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him, and he began to teach them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called the children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad, because great is your reward in heaven. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. The peace that Jesus is talking about here in this beatitude is so much more than the cessation of war and the avoidance of conflict. So we need to understand when Jesus says, blessed are the peacemakers, what is peace? Well, the concept that we get for peace here comes from the Old Testament concept of shalom. You've probably heard that word said before. Most people over in Israel, they'll greet each other by saying shalom, but when they're saying goodbye to each other, they would say shalom as well. In the book, um, Not the Way It's Supposed to Be, A Breviary of Sin, author Cornelius Plantagena says this about the concept of shalom. He says, The webbing together of God, humans, and all creation in justice, fulfillment, and delight is what the Hebrew prophets call shalom. We call it peace, but it means far more than mere peace of mind or a ceasefire between enemies. In the Bible, shalom means universal flourishing, wholeness, and delight. 
a rich state of affairs in which natural needs are satisfied and natural gifts fruitfully employed, a state of affairs that inspires joyful wonder as its creator and savior opens doors and welcomes the creatures in whom he delights. Shalom, in other words, is the way things ought to be. And so when people would say shalom to one another, it's basically a theological statement because it's saying, may God grant you this type of peace. And so in the Old Testament, peace primarily was soundness or health or prosperity, well-being in relationship to God and to relationship to others. Part of it was peace from enemies. But when in the Old Testament, the peace from enemies was a gift from God. God said, if you follow my ways and do this and do that and obey what I'm saying, I will grant you peace with your enemies. Not if you build up the biggest army and trust in your army, then you'll have peace. It was, no, this is a gift from God. Another gift from God was inner peace and our inner being. To have peace in your inner being. Unfortunately for many today, the only way we can get peace is through medication. And the righteous were called to seek after this peace. But the other idea of peace in the Old Testament was that when the Messiah comes, there would be peace. When the Messiah comes, the uh, prophet Isaiah foretold the coming of the Messiah and called the Messiah the Prince of peace. And so when we get to the New Testament, there's this idea that when the Messiah comes, he would bring peace. And it's interesting to remember what on the night when Jesus was born, angels come to shepherds in a field and they announce this good news. Remember the words. Fear not. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign unto you. You will find the baby wrapped in clothes and lying in a manger. This baby is going to bring peace. And then they say at the end, peace on earth, goodwill to all. Peace. Peace has now come because Jesus is here. And so there was this hope that the Messiah, this Jesus, would bring peace. But did Jesus really bring peace? Right at the beginning, what happens? Jesus brings peace, or if Jesus comes, and Herod wants to kill him. And so they have to escape. Mary, Joseph, and the baby Jesus have to escape to Egypt. And throughout his life, there's no peace, or at least what we think is peace. In the text, Jesus says, peacemakers will be called the children of God. God himself is peace. The Bible will often refer to God as the God of peace. And we are called then to be peacemakers. And this is exactly what Jesus or God did when he sent Jesus to the earth. God is the ultimate peacemaker. A wise person once said to me, if you want to be a peacemaker, go toward the barking dog. Go toward the barking dog. That is absolutely what I don't want to do. When I hear a dog barking, you want to go away from the dog. But if you think of it, when the world was barking at God, 
God came to us in the person of Jesus Christ. God moved to us when we were still enemies with God. And he sent his son Jesus into the world. And what did the world do? They killed him on a cross. Jesus was persecuted for being a peacemaker. Now making peace or being a peacemaker does not mean avoiding conflict. Peacemakers often cause trouble in bringing about peace. Because you have to disturb things in order to bring peace when things are wrong. Peacemakers who go around and say there's injustice, there's oppression, this is not the way things are supposed to be, they are persecuted for that. So often in order to bring peace, you cause conflict. And I think this is what Jesus was saying when he said, I have come not to bring peace but a sword. But actually he was talking about his own death which ultimately brings about peace. You see, Christ came to bring peace with God through his death and resurrection on the cross. Jesus brings about peace by dying for our sins. And when we have a personal relationship with God through our a personal relationship with Jesus, we have peace with God. And think about this. This is the way God God's way of making peace. Love before you are loved. Love before you are loved. And so God's way of making peace with his creation was to love us before we loved him. Romans chapter 5 verse 8 says, God demonstrated his love for us in this. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Love before we are loved in return. And when a, Christian be- when a person becomes a Christian, we have peace with God because of our relationship with Jesus. And there's three types of peace then. There's peace with God, peace of God, and peace on earth. The peace with God comes about through that personal relationship with Jesus. And we have peace with God. There's no enmity now between us and God because of what God has actually done for us. But then there's the peace of God. This is another thing that is a gift from God. When we go through difficult times, when we go through the hardships in life, God says he will give us his peace. The Apostle Paul wrote about this in Philippians chapter 4, verse 7, where he said, And the peace of God, which passes all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. It is a supernatural peace that comes from God. And so oftentimes, many of you may have experienced this, in the midst of difficulty, in the midst of strife, all of a sudden you feel peace. And you can't explain it. Of course you can't explain it, because it's a gift that God gives you. And because we have trusted in Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we have peace with God, we can now have peace on earth. But for most of us, we understand there is no peace on earth, at least not yet. We look forward to that day when Christ will return and establish his kingdom. There will be ultimate peace. But in that meantime, we are called to be peacemakers. Peacemakers. But peacemaking is not about conflict resolution or the cessation of war. It is about reconciling people to God through Jesus Christ. 
That is ultimate peace. And because of that peace, then we can have peace with one another. Oftentimes we talk about peacemakers. It's only about trying to bring about the cessation of hostilities between people. And we leave out that vertical relationship with God and just try and keep it all on a human level. But ultimately, peace with God is what allows us then to have peace with one another. And this is why the next blessing... Blessed are you when you are persecuted for righteousness. Jesus says, when you try and be a peacemaker, you will be persecuted. When you follow me, you will be persecuted. When you do things that are righteous, you will be persecuted. And so, when you try and be a peacemaker and tell people that they can have peace with God through a relationship with Jesus Christ, we call that evangelism. You will be persecuted for that you will be persecuted for trying to tell people about how they can have peace with God. So also, when you stand up for those who are oppressed or those who are bullied or those who are um, marginalized, when we stand up against injustice, when we stand up for righteousness, you will be persecuted. And this is a very tough issue for us in America. When we read this verse, blessed are you when you are persecuted, we don't want to be persecuted in America. This is the land of the free. What is our national symbol? The bald eagle. No one wants to persecute the eagle. It's free. So why do we want to be blessed for being persecuted? You look at the New Testament, and you read the New Testament, and a lot of people say, well, we want to be a New Testament church. I'm not sure what church they're talking about. Because there's only about four verses in the New Testament where things are good. (laughs) It's in Acts chapter 2 and everyone goes, well, we want to be in Acts chapter 2 church. The only problem is right after that, it's a mess. And through the rest of the New Testament, it's a mess. And it's a mess until Christ comes again in the book of Revelation. But you go through all the New Testament in Philippians, the church in Philippi, the church in Thessalonica, the church in Pontius, Galatia, Cappadocia, all are persecuted because of being followers of Jesus Christ. In Philippians chapter 1, verse 29, the Apostle Paul wrote, For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ you should not only believe in him, but also suffer for his sake. In Thessalonians uh, Chapter 1, verse 4 of 2 Thessalonians, it says, We ourselves boast about you in the churches of God for your steadfastness and faith in all your persecutions and in all the afflictions that you are enduring. And in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 12, the Apostle Peter wrote, Do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you as though something strange were happening to you. Suffering for being a Christian is normal, and we should expect it. Jesus perfectly lived out the Beatitudes, and what did the world do to him? They killed him. We should expect persecution for the name of Jesus. A number of years ago, John Piper was speaking over in England at a conference, and he said this, America is one of the hardest places in the world to be a true Christian. Now, many people disagreed with his statement there, but he went on to explain that 
The blessings of freedom lead us to an expectation of a comfortable life. The blessings of freedom lead us to an expectation of a comfortable life. And the promise of persecution and opposition for being a Christian does not fit this ideal. And the country we live in was founded by people who fled religious persecution. And the early settlers valued religious freedom. And I wonder how they would read this beatitude. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. They fled religious persecution. As I was driving down to Mexico um, on Thursday, you know, you get driving towards the border, and there's just nothing out there. And every once in a while, you'll see a house way in the middle of nowhere. And you wonder, who lives there? But then all of a sudden, you sit there and think to yourself, that wouldn't be so bad. <laughs> you know, total isolation. There'd be a lot of peace. But we're not called to live in isolation. We're called to go toward the barking dog. And for us living in America, we have to be careful how we read this text. But I wonder how the Christians in Syria read this text. Or I wonder how the Christians in Iran read this text. Or in Egypt read this text. You see, we avoid persecution. And we are shocked when we are persecuted for being Christians. But Jesus said, blessed are you when you are persecuted for my name, for great is your reward in heaven. Why are the righteous persecuted? The Apostle Paul wrote about this to his young co-worker, Timothy. The Apostle Paul had experienced persecution for the name of Jesus. And he tells Timothy these words in 2 Timothy 3.12. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. All who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And Paul's statement comes from a deep conviction about the nature of Christianity and of what it means to be a follower of Jesus and the nature of sin and fallen humanity. And he is convinced that there is a spiritual battle going on. It's not just problems between humans. He says these words in Ephesians chapter 6 verse 12. And this is the struggle we, go, we have today. He wrote, Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. That is why the righteous are persecuted. And these convictions are rooted in the nature of fallen and corrupt humanity and the nature of the new creation in Christ Jesus. Those who seek to live a godly life will be persecuted. Although we may not individually feel and experience persecution here, when you're walking out the door today, I don't think you're expecting to be persecuted in the parking lot. But around the world, there are people who are persecuted for being followers of Jesus Christ. And they fear for their lives. And they read this text and they hear those words, Blessed are you when you are persecuted for the name of Jesus. The freedoms that we have in this country came at a great cost. And what are we using those freedoms for? 
for ourselves or for others. One of the most uh, familiar verses in Scripture is John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The problem with knowing one verse is you miss all the verses around it. That is a great verse to know. But the verses around it say so much more as well. Listen to the verses that follow John 3, 16. Verse 17 says, For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. This is the verdict. Light has come into the world, but, everyone, but people loved darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates the light and will not come into the light for fear that their deeds will be exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes into the light so that it may be seen plainly that what has been done has been done in the sight of God. Our battle is between light and darkness. And we should expect to be persecuted for righteousness' sake. So how are we blessed? That verse, verse 11 of Matthew chapter 5, is a shocking bit of counsel. You will be blessed when you're persecuted. You will be blessed when you're persecuted. How can this be? Jesus said these words, and he knew what was coming. He knew that he was going to go to the cross. He knew that he was going to be persecuted. He knew that he was going to die, and then ultimately rise again. And he defeated sin, death, and the devil through his death and resurrection. And that's what brings us peace with God, and that allows us to now have peace with one another. And Jesus said to his disciples, though, you are going to face trials and tribulations because of me. But great is your reward in heaven. John Piper also wrote these words about this. He said, there is a mystery here. The mystery of joy in the midst of agony, the mystery of gladness in the midst of misery and groaning, and this misery... Um, this mystery is contained in a miracle, namely the miracle of faith. The bedrock assurance that heaven is a hundredfold compensation to every pain. To the degree that you believe what Jesus sees in heaven, to that degree you will be able to rejoice and be glad in suffering. Rejoice and be glad, for great is your reward in heaven." So what can we do today with this verse? To know that our citizenship is ultimately in heaven. As I was driving back from Mexico last night, if you've, how many of you have driven back? Okay, you know, you get to the border and you pull out your passports and the person's really happy to see you there. And you give them your passports and you, yeah, anything to declare, you don't know. And, and then you're, you're through. And then all of a sudden you drive for maybe another half hour and all of a sudden there's a checkpoint but you don't have to have your passport for that you pull up to the checkpoint and they say are you all u.s citizens 
I'm mature enough now that I didn't say what I thought I should have said. No, I'm a citizen of heaven. That wouldn't have gone over very well. But what is our real citizenship? Scripture says our citizenship is in heaven. Then why are we looking for all the blessings here on earth? And Jesus wanted his disciples to desire the rewards of heaven more than the rewards of this world. In the book of Hebrews, in the New Testament, there's this great chapter in chapter 11 that talks about all the great people of the faith. But it talks about a number of people, though, who never received blessings here on earth, although they were faithful to God. So this is Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13. It says, All these people were still living by faith when they died. They did not receive the things promised. They only saw them and welcomed them from a distance, admitting that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. People who say such things show that they are looking for a country of their own. If they had been thinking of this country, of the country they had left, they would have opportunity to return. Instead, they were longing for a better country, a heavenly one. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Jesus said to his disciples, I'm going to prepare a place for you, and if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come back and take you to be with me, that where I am you may be also. He is preparing a place for us. And he says, when you are persecuted, you will be blessed, for great is your reward in heaven. So a few practical warnings. And if you're taking notes, this is on the final one. And it might be the most, well, not the most important, but it's profound nonetheless, is you will not be blessed for bad behavior. So often people think that whenever they are persecuted, they're blessed. Absolutely not. If you are persecuted for being rude, if you are persecuted for a number of things, you're getting what you deserve. When I first joined, became a pastor, we went to a conference, and at the conference we were staying at a convention center and hotel in the they were giving us general instructions, and they said, listen, we do not have a good reputation at this place because we are terrible tippers. They said, Christians have a reputation of being stingy. They said, so for this conference, over-tip. He said, you guys have this reputation because we're cheapskates. And so if you're persecuted for being a cheapskate, you're getting what you deserve. You are not going to be blessed for bad behavior. When Christians are hypocrites, and they're persecuted for being hypocrites, we're getting what we deserve. Jesus didn't say, blessed are you when you're persecuted. He said, blessed are you when you're persecuted for righteousness' sake. So if you're driving around with the little fish on the back of your car, you know, an ichthus symbol, do not speed. Use your turn signal when you're changing lanes, and turn your lights on after dark. If someone honks at you because you're a terrible driver, you're not blessed. Okay? And a couple other things. It's the Christmas. Well, it's coming into the Christmas season, you know, okay? This is one of my pet peeves. Parking lot etiquette. Okay? And if you can confess your sins for this. 
you know when you go to a parking lot and you cannot find a parking spot close. And you see someone come out of the store and they have their bag, so you know that they're going to their car. And when you're walking to your car, people will like wait down the row because they know that the person's walking down that row. And they wait patiently because they know they're going to get a good parking spot. And all of a sudden, the person stops in your car and then walks over three lanes. No! Don't do that. Walk to your lane, go down, go to your car. There will be peace and happiness in our world. If you are persecuted because of bad behavior, you're getting what you deserve. But the promise of God is this. We will be persecuted because of Jesus. But you will be blessed because great is your reward in heaven. I'm going to invite you to end, say the words of a prayer with me. It's a prayer of St. Francis of Assisi. The words are going to be up on the screen. And I'm going to invite you to say them with me. We will, say, we will not rush through this prayer, though. Say these words. It's usually, many people have heard this as, as a song, but we will say these words together. Together. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me so love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. Divine Master, grant that I may not so much seek to be consoled as to console, to be understood as to understand, to be loved as to love. For it is in giving that we receive. It is in pardoning that we are pardoned. It is in dying that we are born into eternal life. Amen and amen.